Hi there. Welcome to the Creating Australia podcast. My name is Jessica Reynolds, and I'm a private town planner and business owner based in Brisbane, Queensland. I'm passionate about engaging with the amazing people that make the property and development industry what it is today. In Creating Australia, I want to learn from experts in the industry and share their knowledge and wisdom with you. In each episode, we'll talk with different people and unpack their past experiences and innovative ideas for the future. Join me now for an episode of Creating Australia, where we dive into the industry exploring local stories, projects, businesses, people, ideas, and more. Thank you for joining us today, Brett. Thank you for having me on your podcast. Yeah, I know. It's an honour, isn't it? Very much so. I've been looking forward to this for at least a couple of hours. <laughs> a couple of hours. Probably longer than that. Come on. Anyway, Brett, can you please introduce yourself? Who are you? What do you do? Hi to the audience. Uh, my name is Brett Hales. I am living two lives at the moment. I think most of us are in COVID. My day-to-day, I work for a San Francisco-based company in financial technology that we provide fintechs the ability to create their own products without going through the banking license approach. Uh, and as well as I advise many other companies, uh, most of them in fintech, because that is my forte. Mm-hmm. Uh, one in particular we're sitting in the building of at the moment, which yep. is a building society in New Zealand that uh, mm-hmm. is aspiring to become a bank. So my day-to-day is very much in the fintech world. Okay. So when you're talking about the um, fintech, can you put it even into even more layman's terms about what you're trying to achieve and like who you work with? Cool. Who are your clients? Uh, who are my clients? So on my San Francisco side, our clients are generally two things. They are companies that want to enter financial services. So they okay. could be a tech player like a Facebook or a Google who mm-hmm. naturally have social media or mm-hmm. whatever else is their mainstream of um, opportunity, income, those sorts of things, but also mm-hmm. want to then cater to their audience in wider streams. And a lot of the time it's financial services they start to cater into. Mm-hmm. Uh, a good example is Uber. And okay. for a lot of their uh, drivers and, and then riders as well, um, they give them a bank account. So when you, you don't get driven around, so obviously them, you transact and the money goes somewhere. That's a financial service that Uber has to provide to their drivers and, of course, to their clients as well. So we Are you saying actually, that doesn't just happen? I thought it was just, it just happens. There's like- a lot of back-end magic for sure. <laughs> but, yes, there is a process they have to follow and money is transacted. So we give companies like that the ability to do that. Okay, interesting. Um, are there any sort of like big property companies or anything within like my particular industry that would be using that type of service? Yeah, absolutely. So lenders is one of the other services providers that we have. And of mm-hmm. course, there are mortgages. And mm-hmm. where do they actually get the, the technology um, and then the funds to actually uh, craft a mortgage and then give it to their clients? Yeah. Is something that we are helping them with as well. So set up a mortgage company became a lot easier now that we're around. Yeah, it's absolutely wild because it's just something that I would never even think about. It's just one of those things where it's just something that happens. I don't know how, but it just does. Back-end magic. Back-end magic, but I'm sure it's not magic. No, no, no. It's it's actually quite boring, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. There's a platform, but it's um, the stuff that we've built. Typically, our competitors are very old school in their technology and the way they do things. How can you be old school in fintech? Well, FinTech is unique to financial technology for those yeah. who don't know the acronyms. I go into acronyms straight away, which is a problem from the world that we live in. But um, uh, essentially, uh, the modern way of doing things, we hope to instill and make more efficiencies to people who want to get into that market. So okay. um, whether that's robust APIs, whether that's a platform that you can plug and play and make your own products, mm-hmm. those are the sorts of things that we play with and hopefully make it more efficient for people to get into the market. 
Yeah, amazing. Breaking down the hurdles. Yeah, that's really cool. So how did you even fall into this? Did you fall into it or was this strategy? No, um, I've been in fintech for about 12 years. And the first time I sort of looked to how do I how do I enter the space was actually a problem my parents were trying to solve. They had a number of businesses on the Sunshine Coast in Noosa. Mm-hmm. So those people in Noosa. Um, <laughs> You're doing a shout out. Shout out to the people in Noosa, yeah. <laughs> the 40,000. Although there's usually 60 when the tourists are here, but yeah. not so many these days. But um, my parents have a number of small businesses mm-hmm. on the coast, had a relationship with uh, one of the big banks up there. And every time they went to start a new business, um, they wanted a merchant terminal. And it okay. was expensive to set up, even though they had you know, decades of what history. What time frame was this? This was 2011. Okay. So I uh, was that almost 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. So I looked to create naively the possibility of maybe there's a better way to do it than to go and talk to a bank and get these sorts of services. So mm-hmm. I reviewed the markets, wrote a business plan in about 18 hours flat, mm-hmm. um, it was pretty shabby. You didn't uh, sleep or anything? There was no breaks in between that? No, I had some Barocca of okay. all things and maybe some Red Bull too. Uh, but no, I was quite passionate about that problem to try and solve and mm-hmm. just trying to fill in the blanks of who's out there providing mm-hmm. it, is it banks, do they provide their own technology, these sorts of things. Mm-hmm. As I said, wrote a business plan. It was uh, a bastardized version of uh, a message that I was trying to get and understand mm-hmm. that sort of problems that SMEs try and face on a daily basis with mm-hmm. these sorts of products. Um, showed it to a couple of people, and one of them said, you know what, that's interesting. I got a self-managed super fund with some capital in it. Here is just shy of 100 grand. Just go off and do it. And so then I had to, like, back it up and go, wow, how do I? Yeah. So you're a salesman or was your idea just so wild or were these people just really loved risk? I'd love to say that I'm a great salesman, but I don't <laughs> think it was the case. I think it was a problem that people were willing to see if that we could solve it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was a natural pause to it. The market was massive. A lot of the banks yeah, um, were trying to service this market, but it was quite expensive. So mm-hmm. we saw an opportunity there that was worth investigating and ended up raising a, a bit more capital through that, putting a product into the market. It took us a while. took us until September 2015. Yeah. Uh, got into market, um, had about 20 staff, um, started onboarding uh, SMEs. Uh, we figured out the focus was definitely more into the uh, smaller SME markets, like the um, like Umundi markets was a good mm-hmm. catalyst where we had a number of business, yep. businesses through there. Uh, retail, not as much, but really every time that a client comes to you and you want to facilitate a payment, that was kind of our market niche. Okay. Um, one of our first clients was Supergeek, which was pretty cool. Yeah. And so we I talk to them not regularly these days, but at, during that time, it was like every day mm-hmm. working on customer problems. So um, that sort of got me into fintech and it was kind of naive. I never worked for a bank at that particular time, but mm-hmm. um, since then I have. And uh, it was a really good way to get into the market of fintech because it was kind of a merging segment mm-hmm. more so than anything else. And to be kind of at that forefront of it in Australia yep. it was um, quite exhilarating. Yeah. No, it sounds like you're very passionate about it. You're going to stick with it? Well, I kind of have to now, uh, <laughs> being in the, in the market and working uh, for a San Francisco-based company that wants to come into Australia and as well, um, the bank I was talking about in the earlier conversation we had. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm kind of baked in it. It's kind of my forte these days. So, yeah. um, I find it fun. Some people find it boring as well. Uh, yeah. But the problems that we're trying to solve are always customer segments because nobody really wants a bank, but everyone needs banking. They come, yeah. Like where you get paid, when you transact, that's a bank that interfaces with that or a payment gateway yeah. at least. So providing better ways to do these sorts of things is kind of what inspires me. And then when you go out there and see your technology in the field and see Mm -hmm. people using that, that's pretty cool too. Okay. So when you talk about it being an aspiring bank and, you know, people wanting to do banking, but not a bank, 
are you actually aspiring to be a bank or just maybe not in the traditional terms? So, like, yeah, so when I advise the bank itself, yeah, absolutely. So we're a building society at the moment, um, but we see grander aspirations there that essentially a bank can provide and that mm-hmm. is efficiencies in capital, that is more trust and transparency because mm-hmm. not many people have heard of a building society, but everyone has heard of a bank. Mm-hmm. And we can provide more products and services to the clients so we fit need better. And if we can build it modern and, okay. and easier to use, um, that makes it better for our customers. Okay. So it's kind of just a different culture and um, branding, but still a bank. I think there's an inherent level of trust that you get from having a bank because they're quite regulated and mm-hmm. having that I'd license. Hope so. You would hope so. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like a doctor. You'd hope they go to med school. You know, banks have to be regulated, yes. So having that trust mm-hmm. um, from being regulated and having that title, I, I think people are more willing to use you and then also mm-hmm. put their hard-earned savings into a bank as well rather than something else. Yeah. So how does property and property industry play into what you guys are doing. I know that property is a huge and construction is a huge component of like the Australian economy. So I'd imagine that it's a huge part of also growing a business such as a bank. Yeah, absolutely. Um, We focused on a niche market in a bank, which is the high net worth rather than just the everyday people. Mm -hmm. Um, So Sorry, I'm out. No, no, no. We're (laughs) we're very open to having everyone along, but we are tailor making our needs to suit high net worth individuals and, Typically, high net worth individuals are quite tied to their businesses or their yep. revenue streams. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one guy from Flight Centre at the moment is obviously having his many millions of net worth and those sorts of things mm-hmm. because he's so entwined with his business. Mm-hmm. And we find that people in that high net worth category obviously have that affiliation with their business, right? Yep. So how could we provide products and services that makes it easier for them to look at opportunities and facilitate those opportunities, mm-hmm. whether it is property, whether it is an investment into something. Mm-hmm. It quite happens to say that most of the uh, high net worth that we talk to are quite active in the property market because that's a cornerstone niche that they look at as far mm-hmm. as an investment opportunity. And whether that is commercial, land, construction, mm-hmm. residential, we kind of cater to all and sort of handcraft products and services to fit their needs as an individual. Yeah. Does that mean then you kind of have access to some of the information that's happening in those markets or? Yeah, absolutely. We generally use a lot of market data to understand you know, what are the growth trends, especially through COVID where you know, the property market's gone through its ups and downs a little mm-hmm. bit. It's probably not down as much as what we would expect it to be, which is a benefit. Uh, but there's is that also- good or scary? It depends what hat you're putting on. I think if you ask anybody, the property market hasn't gone down as far as what they thought it would mm-hmm. um, from, I would say, the median um, average. Yeah, because they had that, um, you know, it was like death to everyone, yeah. kind of mid-range and like happy stories. Well, I think what's happened through COVID is a lot of people who have had shares, as an example, mm-hmm. have put that into cash and sort of mm-hmm. stockpiled their cash just to sort of see through this. Mm-hmm. And now as property and the... The, the rates that you can actually get from banks these days mm-hmm. are quite efficient. Um, that provides opportunity in the property market. So I think the benefit of having everyone cashed up and reducing their credit mm-hmm. cards and all that sort of thing is there's cash to actually spend to then go into properties and assets, and those sorts of things. So I think more so from the market data perspective, it's not as bad as what we're seeing, but also yeah, on the flip side of it, a lot of the traditional banks that um, high net worth individuals and you know, property developers and those sorts of things that we target would normally go to a big bank for, they're finding that the banks are really looking behind their layers and going, okay, well, how sustainable are we? What are our product services looking like? And being mm-hmm. a little bit more timid in the market and that's where we come in to fill a need. Okay. So you guys do loan out for 
those sorts of investments, but you have to look at the individual's ability to yeah, service absolutely. it. Yeah, absolutely. That's what you're getting at. Yeah, so we provide facilities to property developers, property funders, and high net worth individuals, mm-hmm. usually about three to five million and above mm-hmm. is probably our, our, our need. We've got a deal flow at the moment that's increased by about 50% in the last couple of weeks, mm-hmm. which has been really good. We usually sit at about 180 to 200 million in deal flow that we just mm-hmm. do every month, and that's starting to increase pretty rapidly as the banks are not drying up, but there's more opportunity coming our way that would normally be serviced by the Okay, banks. so there's people out there wanting to spend their money or at least loan, take money to spend. Take money to put into <laughs> an investment to hopefully get yeah. a return. Okay, yes. so like people don't have that much fear. And is this Australian-based data or is this around the world? Well, we're technically in New Zealand, but we are kind of operating in Australia and New Zealand, so okay. we're really targeting those sorts of niches. Um, yeah, more so in this region. Okay, and is that Australia-wide then? Like yeah, Like people just wanting to... To yeah, buy and invest. We try and do it in our backyard, which yeah, I'm in Brisbane at the moment. So mm-hmm. anywhere kind of in, in Queensland or northern New South Wales into Sydney is probably our forte. It's not to say we've got a property at the moment in Frankston. We've got another one mm-hmm. in South Australia. So we do spin up different ways of, uh, di- mm-hmm. sorry, catering into different states and those sorts of things. But we try and keep it in our backyard because it's what we know. Okay. And we're really so closer to it. When you say it's your product, you mean someone's come in, um, borrowed money, and technically you as the building society or bank owns it until they've paid it off. Is that what you mean? Or do you mean the bank is actually investing itself? So we act sometimes as a facilitator. So okay. we have a bunch of funders that sit behind the scenes. And okay. if you came to me and said, I want to invest in this particular property and subdivide it or, mm-hmm. or whatever else, uh, or put some construction on top of it, we mm-hmm. would give you a facility likely through one of our funders. Okay. And we sort of become the middleman in this instance. So okay. we give you access to the capital. Okay, interesting. Yeah. See? <laughs> Back in magic. I'm one of those normal people. I have to ask these questions. <laughs> Banking isn't actually that complicated when you look at it. It's just mostly, mostly facilitation, understanding some of the risk. Yeah. And I think that's our forte is just understanding what risks are out there, what security can we use, and what rates can we get you, and how do we match you to a funder? Okay. Should individuals understand more about what's going on, or do you think it's just like leave it to the experts? No, I think these guys are quite um, inept at market conditions and what they want to mm-hmm. invest in and what they what they don't invest in. Mm-hmm. And we just act as a facilitator. I'm sure, we do okay. deal facilitation and do all the background work and research just to make yeah. sure it's in line. So your risk? For not only our yeah. risk, but the funder that we introduce you okay. to as well. Yeah, okay. Uh, which is obviously good for them and good for you as well. Mm-hmm. So it's completely vetted, uh, but we don't underwrite off our own balance sheet. Mm-hmm. We essentially go to the funder and say, We've got this opportunity. Would you like to invest in these? The returns that we've worked out with you. Amazing. So I do. Well, I'm not going to start doing it, but whatever. I'll stick to town planning. Um, I do know that you were. uh, We were talking about um, credit card debt being reduced from households and more cash at home. So you were saying that on these high net worth people, they're obviously cashed off and going and wanting to take these risks. Are you actually seeing people like? you know, Joe Blows down the street like me, spending more money and still taking risk or do you find they're saving more? I, I think they're starting to save more. So from COVID, what happens really is everyone starts to stay indoors rather than go out and spend it in restaurants, pubs, mm-hmm. clubs, those sorts of things. So if you're not having, if you're saving more because you're not going out and doing that, then where are you going to put this extra saving? And most people had pretty heightened debt by the time COVID hit. Yeah. So let's start reducing that down. I know I have. Um, so th- I think that's the first strategy a lot of sort of everyday people are doing. I think for yeah. the high net worth individuals, they never really had necessarily that problem. They've still got the same problems, just scaled up, right? Yeah. And they can use assets to then 
leverage to then get through those sorts of things. So I think okay. what they've seen is they've gone out of uh, markets, liquid markets like the ASX and those sorts mm-hmm. of things, cash themselves up waiting for all this to sort of settle down and hopefully ride up on that wave as it comes back into market. So I think that wave probably from our conversations with some of the people we're talking to has started maybe about six weeks ago mm-hmm. in, in sort of let's, yeah feel what's real and what's not. And yep. some of these people are doing quite well at the moment in stock markets and we're seeing a lot of deal flow from property as well. So Yeah, perfect. I'm just wondering if you think or if you know whether there, because there has been so much education and everybody, like most people around at the moment who are investing would have been around GFC time and they kind of saw, you know, a fall and then a big boom somewhat, especially in property. Um, and the fact that there is social media now and there is so many people out there educating people on finances and, these sorts of things happening. No one really predicted a pandemic, um, no. but recessions happen. Yeah. <laughs> they happen. Um, do you think that that's been like a reason why maybe property prices haven't fallen so much and there is still a lot of um, confidence out there is because we've kind of all feel like we've seen it before and we're just like. Let me get my crystal ball out. <laughs> I know uh, it's a bit of a like, you know, I'm not expecting a crystal ball, but just more in your opinion, like, you know, from the data and things you see and the people you talk to. I think when COVID first started happening, so like March, April, people mm-hmm. panicked, people were scared. You saw that in the way they're shopping and what they they value. Yeah, couldn't get any toilet paper. Could Why not get any toilet paper. Who would very scary. That would be a problem. <laughs> and anyway, we do address. <laughs> uh, from that, though, they start to get more confident and aware as, you know, the wave, the first wave was mm-hmm. subsiding and people started to be... Uh, more open in their restrictions and those mm-hmm. sorts of things. I think with the second wave, again, people are, are a little bit, um, I wouldn't say naive, but the first wave was very much off oh, panic stations, mm-hmm. those sorts of things. As the second one has then come in, people go, ah, we could probably get by this. We're seeing what's happening in other yeah. markets and in other regions around the world and how they're dealing with the situation. Mm-hmm. And is it, you know, we could go in entirely political and this and all that sort of stuff, but we won't because we'll keep it <laughs> nice and easy. But um, a lot of people got comfortable with that sort of, you know, this, this could be around for a while, right? And yeah. so what are we going to do? Are we just going to pack it all up and then mm-hmm. mob fort? Or do we actually get out there and see some opportunities as they come? And I think yeah. probably now as it is, what are we now, early September, in mm-hmm. September, more people are starting to realise that this is going to be around for a while and we just can't mm-hmm. sit on our hands and we need to yeah. be doing something. So I think... So you think people are just getting bored? People are getting <laughs> bored probably. In relation, yeah, yeah, exactly. In relation to the property though, I, I think they're looking at it and going, okay, well... Is, it, is everything as bad as what it should be? Yeah, absolutely. People can't travel uh, as far as interstate, let alone international and those mm-hmm. sorts of things. So there are things to consider with that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's not all doom and gloom. I, I still catch the train every morning. Here oh, do you? I can't believe I'm uh, sitting uh, this close to you. Yeah, dangerous, <laughs> I know. Yeah, I mean, it's business as usual, especially in Queensland. In Victoria, of course, it's a little bit different. But up here, you still yeah. feel there's people around. Things are happening. And yeah. so I think that's just going to continue on. Yeah, no, I definitely feel Well, I haven't been into any other states, but it definitely feels like Queensland's a, its own country at the moment. You know, the, it feels, like, the it feels con- like everyone wants to be here. Oh, definitely. I, I moved um, from New South Wales and I remember it sort of being like Brisbane, the butt of the country type thing, like country bumpkin city. And now it's like, look where you want to be now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Sorry, everyone else. <laughs> no, I absolutely love it. Okay, so do you have any um, last party words or tips that you think people should know about um, your industry, what you do? So general. Uh, I know. I'm uh, keeping it open, you know. Uh, you could be up. like, I've got a great recipe for a... <laughs> 
I guess for us, um, for both of those companies that I talked about being Snaps and what we're going to call Enzo, which is the bank, we're, we're really entering the markets mm -hmm. from my San Francisco side into Australia. So um, for any fintech out there that wants to look at banking services or something they want to offer, or even companies, uh, like as an example, we're working with a big retailer in the US at the moment okay. who wants to enter financial services. So if there's anyone out there that wants to have a chat, more than happy to do so. And if there's any high net worths that are looking for funding for some of their properties and those sorts of things, um, we're just starting to open up away from the existing member core at the moment. Okay. And uh, we'll be essentially open for business shortly to a wider audience. That's pretty exciting. Okay. So keep an ear out and an eye out for Enzo, but also if people do want to contact you, what is the best way? Oh, usually email is the best one. I can give email through the context of the podcast later yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, we sorts can of do things, show but, notes. Yeah, exactly. But um, yeah, e email is the best way. Um, or look at our websites, um, which we're sort of rebuilding at the same time. Mm -hmm. So Synapse is synapsefi.com and Enzo will be enzogroup.finance. Is that going to be E-N-Z-O? E-N-S-O. I know, so it's not, it's not um, the Italian one. It's uh, we. It's almost like you need to say Enzo. Enzo, <laughs> we do. Um no, essentially we named it after a, um, we thought, okay, well, how could we be really deep in a name, yet at the same time go, do you know what, let's have some continuity. And essentially Enzo means a continual circle that enlightens okay. itself. And we thought, you know what, if finance was able to do that and actually work for the customers rather than say, use everything up front now, pay fees all the way down for the next couple of years. Yeah. We thought that would be cool to provide. Yeah, so no, it's lovely. It's named for a bit reason. nerdy, but cool. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Can you tell? <laughs> No, not at all. Okay, well, thank you so much for joining us today, Brent. Not a problem at all, Jess. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you would like to see this product in action, please head over to the Urban Planners Queensland YouTube channel. Links are in the episode notes, or you can find the recordings by visiting upqld.com.au. That is upqld.com.au.